Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight lipped about their ways, ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 67 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I am chatting with Pervy Kanji. Pervy is the showroom director of Place Showroom, and they're a full-service sales and consulting agency that specializes in sales, business strategy, marketing, brand development, merchandising, and customer service. So what do what do they actually do? What could they do for you? Well, they work with brands, um, independent brands, established brands, startups, uh, to help them partner and get their product into retail outlets, online retail, brick and mortar retail. They've got relationships throughout the world with retailers and they work with brands to help find the best places for you to sell your products. Um, Pervy has so much great knowledge and tips and advice on how to get your foot in the door with a showroom. Like, what does that actually look like? How to know if you're ready to begin building this relationship? And so many, so many great tips on what the process actually looks like and how you can make the best experience for yourself if you are looking to work with a showroom. Before we get started, I would love to have you guys share this interview. Uh, How can you do that? What can you do to share the podcast or share this interview? If you are in a Facebook group that has brands in it, has startup independent designers in it, um, go ahead and share this resource with them. This would be a great listen for anyone out there working on their brand to learn what it's like to work at the showroom to see maybe if this is the right time for them to approach place showroom and start having a dialogue to see if it's a good partnership between them and place. So I would love it if you guys would take 30 seconds to share this interview and the Successful Fashion Designer podcast in a Facebook group that you are in. Now let's jump into the interview with Pervy. As always, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit sfdnetwork.com slash 67. Welcome, Pervy, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Um, can you start out by introducing yourself and letting everybody know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry? Yes, of course. I'm excited to be speaking with you today. Um, I work as a showroom director for Place Showroom, which is a multi-line showroom. Um, it's a multifaceted agency, uh, you know, that really handles a plethora of um, brands. Um, from all over the world. And, you know, our job is really to get designers in the front of great buyers and into great stores. Awesome. Okay, so there's a lot of designers out there that are going to be listening who are up and coming, you know, maybe they're just kind of getting things off the ground, maybe they've been running for a year or two. Um, What is like the best process for them to go through to start talking to someone like you for potential representation? Like, how do they decide if it's even a good match? Or what does that really look like? So there's, that's um, a great question. So the thing with designers um, is, you know, there's really two ways of going about it. Um, you know, Leah, the owner, um, really prides herself on looking for designers that have great, you know, design and the product and quality is really in line with what we're looking for. Um, you know, it also really depends on the designer themselves. You know, it, it, it depends on their aesthetic. Not every showroom will pick up a certain line or certain collection. Uh, we want to make sure that, you know, as a multi-line showroom, you're not cannibalizing other brands within the space. Um, you know, we want to make sure any designer that we do decide to bring on, you know, isn't a direct competitor to anything else that we're already representing. So um, I can start off in a few um, a few steps, maybe, yeah, um, that'd be if great. that works. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the first one, I'll just walk through the process, is we have a merchandising team. Um, that is in-house, and they work really closely with, one, outreaching brands, and two, you know, going through all the inquiries that come through. If you can imagine, there's just a plethora of um, inquiries that we get daily in regard to representation. Um, So the first step is making sure, you know, we get back to everyone that reaches out. Um, I think that's really important to Leah and, you know, everyone in the company just to make sure that there's always this communication 
conversation in regard to, you know, maybe why we're passing or why we need more information. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we do is really, you know, merchandising sits closely with Leah to review all the inquiries that have come through and potential new brands that we're searching for. Um, You know, some of the things that we look for, like I mentioned previously, is what is there a need for in the market? You know, we work really closely with buyers, um, you know, small specialty stores, as well as large department stores. And we're hearing, you know, maybe gaps that they're feeling um, that they're seeing, you know, gaps they want to fill. So, you know, it's important for us to, you know, go out and look for maybe, let's just say, that new um, graphics line. Sure. You know, maybe we're finding that that's what buyers are really missing and feeling like they're not getting currently in the industry. Um, so our merchandising team, you know, will go out and do the due diligence to research and find new emerging um, designers. And then um, we'll also go through the list of inquiries that have come through to see, you know, who maybe ma- fitches, um, matches that bill. Um, so that's kind of like the beginning step of what happens in the process. With that, it's really important to us to make sure they're established, you know, that their identity has been identified, they have a voice, and they know their clear trajectory is really important. Um, you know, we do have a consulting arm because um, we are obviously an agency that handles a lot of different, you know, um, facets, essentially. And so, you know, if they did want more consultancy, that's something we can offer. However, when we're looking to launch and represent a brand as a whole, we want to make sure that there's that continuity and kind of the integrity behind the brand already. Uh, Doesn't mean from a marketing standpoint that, you know, they have a 1 million followers, but that there's some sort of um, branding available. Yeah. Well, I was, yeah. Okay. So I was going to ask, like, um, you say established and my first thought was like, well, as a designer, how do I know when or if I'm ready to approach someone like you? So can you, I mean, like you said, it doesn't mean I have to have a million followers on Instagram, but like, are there some rough benchmarks or what are you really looking for? Is there, I, I know it's really probably hard to ask for like, what would be the checklist, but from a designer listening, you know, what might some of the things I'd be thinking about in terms of, am I ready to approach someone like you guys? I think a big thing would be, you know, you have to be ready to service the accounts that are coming through. Do you have a structure in place? Is there a team that can really fit the demands of, you know, a multi-line showroom with a team of almost, you know, 80 people Mm -hmm. um, and the sales team of almost 40, Mm. Um, you know? So it just, I think that's a big thing is kind of the foundation and the operations. Are they sound? Do you have your business plan in place? Does it make sense? You know, is, I know this is kind of a silly thing to mention, but, you know, are your finances in line with being able to deliver product once you receive the orders? Do you have a warehouse in place? You know, those are all conversations that we have from the beginning because if you come to us, we're going to make sure we deliver. You know, that's what we do. We want to make sure you're happy. We're going to make sure we're reviewing what your strategy is and making sure it's in line with us. You know, let's just say your strategy is I want to keep this really tight and really exclusive and I only want to really target, let's just say, the top 50 A-doors, right? Mm -hmm. And we're like, fine, we can definitely be in line with that and that's totally achievable. And then there might be another brand that approaches us and says, actually, no, that's not my strategy. I'm a little bit more mass and I'd like to you know, go out and service all specialties and all A, B, and C doors, Yeah, right? That's, that's kind of my sales strategy. So we're capable of doing both. I think it's just knowing what that strategy is and working really closely with the designer to really outline that. But like I mentioned before, I think having the operations and the logistics really already set in place um, to kind of fit the need of what's going to happen once you sign on with a showroom um, needs to be there. Right. So like if you guys land this big new account for them and then they get an order of 50 or 500 or 5,000 units, whatever the numbers may be, they're prepared Mm -hmm. and they can fulfill that because if they don't fulfill that, that reflects badly on you. 
Of course. I think it works. You know, it's just a matter of what the timelines really look like. And, you know, like I mentioned, you know, having an operations team or a customer service team and just having, you know, some some wherewithal to fit the demands of what, you know, is going to happen once you sign on with yeah. a showroom. Yeah. Um, for but that's not to say, yeah, go ahead. you know, even for, you know, we do work with smaller and newer emerging brands, you know, and, you know, if we really truly believe in the product and, you know, the, the designers behind the product, you know, we definitely make exceptions and can work really closely for more of a consultancy side to make sure that there's this partnership and we're growing um, this brand. You know, Lee and I really speak a little bit sometimes um, in regard to kind of coining, you know, a division of the showroom as like an incubator, right? Yeah. You know, we're kind of growing these young, young brands and hopefully into beautiful, smart adults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and it's it's a it's a rocky road, so it, there's always opportunity um, for people to to need and to get help and support. So that's great, you guys do that as well. Um, I'm curious, can you just for people out there who may not understand what A, B, and C doors means, can you give us a quick overview of that in like layman's terms? Because there's a lot of people out there who are like really really new and really some of the lingo I think gets lost. Right. Yeah, no, of course. And there's variables. I think every person has a different ranking and what A means to someone may be, some, may be completely different to us. Sure. Um, but generally, you know, our A doors are those key major accounts, you know, a Shop Bob, a Revolve, you know, a Net-A-Porter, um, a Barney's, a Bergdorf, um, a Tootsie's, you know, a By George. Right. Um, you know, an intermix, essentially those sorts of A doors, right? you know, which makes sense. Um, and then, you know, the B doors can be someone that is maybe more of, I, it's hard to like call out, but just, you know, a little bit less established yeah. and um, doesn't have as many online, doesn't have an online platform or um, is more of a brick and mortar. And then, you know, it just depends. It, it's kind of divvied up by department. So you can have an A, B, and C ranking in our majors world, which is our larger department stores. And then you can have an A, B, and C in our specialty world as right, well. Right. It's just a different, it's just a way to so sort of categorize different it uh, is, stores yeah. and retail outlets. And we talk and for ways for, you know, you know, brands that we work with, obviously, internally to kind of understand what our ranking system really means. Yeah. Yeah, understand. Um, you mentioned that you guys pretty proactively are out there looking for designers. And I know, you know, every designer is like waiting to be discovered, whether it's by a showroom or whether it's by, you know, a new retail account. Like, where are you guys hanging out and, and really discovering mm -hmm. some of these people? I hate to say it, but, you know, Instagram is a, is a really <laughs> big <laughs> place for us. Um, that's generally where we're seeing a lot of you know, great brands and new brands coming through. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of outreach has been done through that. You know, we do our own due diligence. The merchandising team works really closely, you know, with, you know, outside um, brands as well. You know, we have great relationships with other showrooms or, you know, trade show contacts and everyone is, you know, we're always mentioning we're looking for, you know, new collections. And yeah. this even goes to employees. We're always looking for new great staff, um, you know, keep us in mind. Um, so I think it's really like word of mouth um, and relationships that, you know, Leah has in the industry, in the community, and um, also Instagram. <laughs> and is it really just kind of like getting sucked into the hashtag rabbit hole and kind of finding what you find? Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> does happen. Um, you know, we, you know, a lot of people follow us and there's a lot of direct messages that come through. Yeah. And um, a lot of it, I can say, is word of mouth and probably from marketing initiatives such as like Instagram platforms. Okay, gotcha. All right, everyone, Instagram, boy, it is not just a place you hang <laughs> out and get sucked into pictures of sunsets and... <laughs> Um, no, it's not. Not yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, right. It's such an important platform. Um, okay, I had a feeling that was going to be the case, but I definitely wanted to know for sure. Um, okay, so so let's say 
we do start having a conversation as a, a brand. I'm a brand, and and you guys are place showroom. Um, we do start having a conversation, and it starting to look like it could be a good match for you to represent me. Um, then where do we go? What is it? What what happens next? You know, I think what happens then is. Um, you know, if you want to talk nitty gritty, it's going through our contract negotiations and the sales strategy, like I mentioned previously, you know, I think it's really important for us to hear, um, you know, the brand's voice and what it is that, you know, each designer really wants for their collections. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really important for us to make sure that we're all in line with their vision and we're all on the same page and that, the strategy we're putting forward makes sense for both of us and mm. is deliverable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a that's a big one, you know, and obviously next steps after that is connecting um, designers to our team. You know, we have a large team. There's a lot of departments in here that handle all functions of the business, um, you know, and just making sure that designers are completely aware of, you know, who to go to for whatever they need. Yeah. And so like, what is it actually, like, I'm, I'm kind of getting interested in like the sort of the behind the scenes, what's going on. Do I give you guys a sample line and it is, it sits in New York, your New York or your LA, or I know you guys have a couple offices or do yes. I give you multiple sample lines and there's reps on the road also going out? Like, what does this really yeah. look like? I'm so curious. Yeah. Yeah, so sales strategy can really look like, you know, it definitely has road plans involved. We participate in majority of all trade shows as well. Um, and what it looks like is sample sets is really important for us to have. So mm-hmm. we have our New York office, we have our Los Angeles office, our Atlanta office, and our Dallas office. And, um, you know, LA is definitely our corporate hub as well. Gotcha. Um, that's where Leah, the owner, is based. Um, you know, our... COO is based out there as well. Um, our merchandising team is based out there and our marketing team as well. Um, and really what happens is, you know, designers will come in, we decide we're moving along, things are happening. They'll provide us with four sample sets. It's really important to have all four. You know, there are times that that's not feasible and we will obviously go back and forth and work with brands for a few seasons and hopefully be able to deliver the four sample sets, you know, in a few seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, Because truthfully that, you know, I don't want to say just translates directly into sales, but it helps. Um, You know, it's really important for the product to be in all four showrooms and to really have a presence if we are going to, you know, represent the collections. And so, yeah, the girls will then, you know, will map out with their sales managers and their sales directors exactly what the sales strategy is going to look like and, you know, road plans and what trade shows the brand will participate in. Mm, Okay. And Uh, what makes the most sense and, you know, how we're going to target our targets, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I would love to know, and you, I, if you can give us numbers, that would be fantastic. If not, just you can give us a general idea. Like, I'm so curious about, um, you know, commissions and, and like it's, you know, margins are really hard, I think, already for a lot of designers. Um, everyone I talk to on the show, you know, a lot of people I talk to on the show um, who are starting or have their own brand, um you know, they're, they're producing in small batch and they often are doing it stateside or, you know, domestic and margins can already be tight. So on one hand, you guys offer a phenomenal service to get the product out there and to sell it, which is one of the things I think brands struggle with the most, uh, most brands, a lot of brands. Um, And so how do, do you guys find that fine line between obviously making sure you're compensated for your work and like what, and, and the the designer can fit that into their margins? Um, What does that look like? Or if, and if you can share any numbers, that would be awesome. And if not totally fair. Yeah, I think sharing numbers might be a little bit difficult. Um, but with that said, I think it varies by each brand. You know, this is something that's really decided in the initial stages of deciding to work with a brand. Um, you know, it's kind of going back to that stage where it's like, what are you capable of, right? Mm-hmm. And what makes the most sense for us? Is it a right time to partner? You know, your margins are tight. You know, this is kind of the expectation from us and for you. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to want to be able to make a profit as well, right? So. Right. Um, I think it comes back to really having that initial conversation if it makes sense or not financially to really move forward with a showroom. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. 
No, go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was just curious, um, like as a designer to be prepared to start having a conversation with someone like you, is there like a base monthly fee that I have to pay or is there a fee that I have to pay depending on X number of trade shows that I'm represented at or is it purely commission-based? Yeah. So it varies. Look, some brands will have a showroom fee and a commission and um, all trade shows are um, – taken on by the brand. That's a, essentially a fee that our brands take care of themselves. Okay, um, you gotcha. know, we make the suggestion on which trade shows to participate in and, you know, they can use their discretion whether it makes sense or not. Um, you know, we build it into our sales strategies. Um, so it might make sense for one brand, but it might not make sense for another. Sure. Um, again, it just depends in kind of their what stage in their life they are, right? Are you yeah. still an infant? Have you grown into a toddler? Are you a young <laughs> teenager? Yeah. You know, it, it goes back to, you know, where are you kind of in this life cycle to be able to participate in all, all trade shows? Or, yeah. you know, do you want to scale it back and only focus on one or two? Um, yeah. And, you know, again, those are all part of the initial conversations that we have with brands sure. um, and try to be pretty transparent on kind of, you know, how it works and, you know, what we can compromise on and work together and kind of build a strong partnership. Yeah. No, no, no. Completely. But again, it varies going back to, you know, the commission structure, it varies, it varies by brand and, um, you know, majority of brands will pay, um, showroom fees. Uh, Okay. Okay. Totally fair. Um, and then the, the trade shows, I, I would assume it, it's a, um, I don't know what the formal term is, but it's a booth that has, it's basically like a showroom booth. Like you have multiple brands represented at the booth. It's not exclusive. And then do you see that, um, like sometimes the designer may come to the trade show to be present because, you know, I've, I've done my fair share of trade shows in the past for brands I've worked with. And, you know, I, I know, from my experience, a lot of the buyers there love to get to meet and talk to the the designer, the owner, the person behind the product. And so do you find that um, brands sometimes will send either the designer or someone as a representative or is that kind of weird conflict of interest based on how you guys are set up? Well, look, so I think every, you know, every trade show is essentially set up a little bit different and every brand, whether we represent them or not, kind of services trade shows in their own way. You know, something that we had decided to do a couple of years back is essentially lift our showroom um, space and drop it onto the trade show floor. Mm-hmm. And that really is meaning we bring majority of our collections and it sits within one large pad. Um, you know, we take the largest space possible in order to service and house all of our brands mm-hmm. And what we do is essentially create more of like a retail experience. Mm-hmm. You know, they're shopping from brand to brand. Right. And we're walking them through each of our collections to make sure each brand has, you know, is getting the awareness and the introduction to essentially new accounts or existing accounts to another brand, et cetera. You yeah. know, um, it's really worked great for us. And we have essentially been doing that through all of our trade shows now, mm-hmm. um, which has worked. It's just It's just been great. And I'm really thankful that, we've been able to do that and traders have also worked with us and, you know, kind of built a strong relationship with them, which has been helpful in kind of changing how we've been doing things on the trade show floor, you know, Mm -hmm. because back in the day, really what was happening is each brand had their own trade show pad, their own booth. Um, You know, what we found that walking buyers from booth to booth, um, they can lose interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so this way, you know, we, we have them, we do great activations. We make sure, you know, there's marketing spend involved here as well to kind of create, you know, more of this experience within the play showroom pad. Yeah. So with that, you know, I think it's really important to, to do these trade shows. They, you know, they do get costly, but like I mentioned, I think it's just really important to know what the positioning from the brand is um, and if it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, it does. I think the one thing I'm still curious about is, like, do you see or is it is it a good match to oh, the designers? Have, yeah, right. the designers to come and actually well, so, be there. So I think the thing with the designers is it's always special, right? It creates more intimacy yeah. 100%. But, you know, we've found it, it kind of goes 50-50. Some buyers love it, you know, and some buyers 
don't feel comfortable ah. speaking to the product. Um, and all, and truthfully, you know, they'll, they'll come in and maybe, you know, want to speak about something that maybe wasn't performing for them and maybe feel less inclined to do so when a designer's present. Yeah. So I think it's a fine line really, you know, we definitely try to involve our designers where we can. And, you know, if, if, um, buyers, um, you know, we think it's important, yes, then we'll definitely bring our designers out. But for the most part, you know, a lot of our brands, I think, do trust that, you know, we're servicing the accounts to the best of our ability. And, yeah. um, you know, they really come in as like, hey, I'm I'm so-and-so behind the brand, you know, and just gives a little bit more life into essentially, you know, the entire story of yeah. the collection. But for the most part, it doesn't happen that often. Okay. Um you know, we definitely do it for some of our, you know, key retailers if, if needed. Yeah, I understand. Okay. Um, that definitely answers the question. Thank you. Uh, so um, the big question that, you know, everyone's talking about is like the, the landscape of retail out there. So I'm so curious to know, like, what are you guys seeing um, as some of these shifts in the market are happening and, you know, the retail apocalypse and all the doom and gloom headlines, which I, I mean, personally, you know, fear sells and, and drama sells. And, and I, I, I'm not one to say that this isn't happening, um, or things aren't happening, but there, there's, there's always going to be stores. People are always going to shop and people always need to buy clothes. But I'm just curious from your perspective, because I know you guys have been around since 2005, I think. So a substantial yes. amount of time. And you've seen a lot of ups and downs in the market, you know, from 05 to 08 when the recession hit. Like, I'm sure that was an interesting time. Um, but I'm curious to know, you know, in the past few years, like, what are you guys seeing um, in terms of shifts in the retail landscape and how's that going for you guys and some of the designers working with you? You know, truthfully speaking, you know, it, it's been, it's been positive, knock on wood. Um, you know, we've been really lucky to do what we're doing and be here and really create this large footprint, um, in the, in kind of in this contemporary world. Um, you know, I think the reason why it's been really working for us and, is what we do and the brands that we bring in, you know, we're, we're kind of, we have two divisions, really, we have a trend focus, and then we have more of our premium brands, you know, and it goes back to that conversation that a lot of people have been having. And we've really been doing from the beginning is really finding a way to mix highs with the lows. Um, and really offering, you know, products that maybe from a design standpoint feels luxe, Right. Mm -hmm. But from a price point, you know, majority of, you know, consumers can really purchase it and feel comfortable and confident purchasing it. So I think, you know, really fine tuning what that price point is has really worked for us. Um, you know, I think as far as e-commerce and brick and mortar and what's been happening there, you know, it's interesting. I definitely feel like there was a bit of like a shift and a downturn with brick and mortar and, uh, you know, specialty stores. However, I do feel like we've kind of seen a bit of a resurgence, to be completely honest, in the past, I want to say, you know, six months, maybe a year with oh, wow. brick and mortar um, so I'm hopeful that, you know, there's this upward trend that is happening. Again, I think it goes back to the convenience and, you know, the way the consumer is shopping. She's smart. She knows um, what she's looking for. You know, she does her research. You know, she's not going, she goes maybe to a brick and mortar and she sees it in store. She's going to go home, do her research. Hey, where can I get it at a better price? Yeah. Um, you know, and that's kind of, you know, that it's a bittersweet because, I feel like that's the reason why e-commerce kind of saw an upward trend. But I do feel like in the last year, there's definitely been a resurgence with brick and mortar, um, which is good. You know, we're happy to hear that yeah, and see it. So, yeah, yeah it just, it's just trending. It's just um, kind of what we're seeing. But again, it's, it's so up and down as of late. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys see... Um like that's so interesting and inspiring to hear that there's a trend up in the retail brick and mortar space. I'm curious to know if you've seen any trends or parallels of of brick and mortar creating more of these like experience shopping um 
layouts in in relation in correlation to the the sales going up because I know like for me when I make a physical purchase at a brick and mortar type of store it tends to be something where I'm like there I'm in the moment like something else is going on like I'm not just like running into a department store and buying something that's just at least how I shop um you you know I might be out with like some girlfriends and there's more of an experience going on behind the purchase 100 percent. okay 100 percent. we're seeing that more and more look at what we're doing on the trade show floors as well right right you know we're doing that for buyers yep we're creating an experience so they can spend more essentially, right? They want to feel connected to the product that they're buying. And I think that's what's truly happening is, you know, there's more activations that are happening. For example, you know, um, you know, there's department stores that create more of an experience like Bloomingdale's, for example, you know, will have like a Saturday or weekend where they kind of set up a little bit of like activations in their sections and their spaces in their floors. And I definitely feel like that's why we're seeing a bit of um, an upward trend is because there are more experiences that are happening at brick and mortar. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you have that purchase. And you, yeah, it is important because then that purchase is not just the item. It also connects you to that moment in time in your life. And it like creates this memory along with it. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's marketing has never played a bigger role than it is playing now yeah. with um, <laughs> everything. It's yeah. wild from, you know, digital platforms to, you know, just building out strategies that really make sense from, you know, a designer's perspective or even, you know, um, our department stores and even our specialty stores. Yeah. Do you guys partner with online retailers as well or? More? Yeah, we do. You do. Okay. You know, we 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 partner with um, you know with all retailers for the most part. Um, you mean from a marketing standpoint, or yeah, I mean like like I have my brand, and I have if I'm working with you, it has a potential to go to online retail and um, brick and mortar retail. And then I I kind of have a follow up question to that, so maybe this will help clarify where I'm trying to go with this. Is you know what it, what are um, what is what are bleh, what are retailers especially i think online and arguably brick and mortar as well based on what we just said where you know the shopper savvy she goes to the retail um the, the brick and mortar outlet and then she goes home and looks at on her or even she looks on her phone right in the store um what are some of these retailers feeling or i don't know what the right word is but about these brands then also doing direct to consumer DTC. Is there any conflict with that? Or is there, do you wind up having to come to like pricing arrangements where the, the (laughs) original brand can't sell it for less and actually be competition? I mean, which is obviously not a great relationship to start to build with some of the retail outlets that you partner with. Of course. And I think, yeah. And of course our brands are are always in line with supporting, you know, those online platforms that we are um, selling to, you know, yeah. it's important for, for them to have the success um, as well, yeah. you know, so I think when you have the, you know, DDC, it's, yes, it's, it's there, it exists, um, but from like a pricing strategy, we have run into situations where we've seen it lower elsewhere, and it even happens with, um, let's just say, not even direct to consumer, but with different e-commerce sites. Oh, I'm sure they put it um, on know, sale so or something. what we do, of course. And so what we do is really try to manage that from a sales perspective and sales standpoint. You know, the girls are really doing their due diligence to make sure that isn't happening and we're catching that if it is and, mm. you know, communicating to our buyers kind of where we're at with that and having, you know, those initial conversations. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it happens. Um, but I definitely feel like, you know, we're in line with, you know, what our markups are by brand and make sure that that's completely clear to all of our accounts that we're working with as well. Yeah. Are there any type of arrangements? And I don't know how uh, you don't need to talk specifically to this, but just in general, in terms of like, you can't mark the product down for X number of days after it's delivered, um, both to the buyer, both for the, the retail outlet, as well as the brand if they're also selling DTC. So there's, hey, you have to have like a, I don't know what it might be, a 30-day window where you sell it for full price. Like that's a some type of arrangement you guys come to. Well, yeah, look, I think it goes back to, again, the conversations that, you know, the account executives and sales directors are having with their 
with their buyers um, in regard to that and our brands. You know, I think it's challenging to tell a buyer you can't do this and you can't do that, you know, and tell them essentially how to, you know, run the business. But I feel like, you know, those are all initial conversations that they have and just communicate, you know, it it just depends on their delivery, you know, and sometimes you run into challenges when, you know, an account wants it later than its original ship window, let's just say, right? So (laughs) I think it's just really, um, really having that conversation and communication with all parties to make sure everyone is on the same page. Gotcha. Just being open and having transparent dialogue does so much. It really does. <laughs> Let's just Even talk in people. Personal life. Yeah, no, I know, right? Sometimes it's like, just pick up the phone and have a conversation and let's just be, let's put all our calls, <laughs> cards on the table and let's just talk. <laughs> yeah, let's just work through it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So it's funny how talking solves most of life's problems. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really, really insightful stuff. Um, do you guys represent, I mean, obviously online is is worldwide, but as far as brick and mortar stores, um, do you, are you guys looking at um, international representation or mostly in the States? And what does the brand assortment look like that you guys work with? Is it mostly um, U.S.-based brands? or? So it's, I mean, by default, yes, I think it has been. Um, we have currently a lot of Los Angeles-based collections. You know, that's been our hub, you know, our home for quite some time. Um, you know, we've really built relationships with a lot of um designers out there. Um, but majority of our brands as well are Australian. Oh, so, cool. uh, um, yes, or have some heritage tied to Australia. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of our brands that, um, we have is faithful, the brand, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that or not. Um, but you know, they're actually based out of Bali, but their roots are Scandinavian and Australian. So, um, it's a really interesting mix and creates really beautiful design. Um, but that's, you know, essentially kind of where we really lie within that. Um, you know, to us, it doesn't really matter where the brand is coming from or based. It's just kind of making sure that all those boxes that we need checked are checked sure. and um, that the partnership really makes sense for the both of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, we do do, um, you know, some global representation for our brands and it is definitely something that's in the works and, you know, we're really looking at, um, partnerships outside of the U.S., even in regard to trade shows and creating more of a splash um, globally. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I would love to know, like, just as, you know, very uh, generic question, like, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see designers make when approaching showrooms like you guys? Ooh. That's a tough one. Is it tough? It's not like, (laughs) oh my gosh, they always do this. (laughs) I'm trying to think of what it is. You know, I think it's, you know, really important is the consistency from season over season and making sure um, that seasonality is also a part of the conversation when designing. Um, I think those are really important to realize, you know, kind of the hemisphere that you're delivering to and that you're selling to, you know. So, hey, if you're at summer in Australia, it's winter here. Right. (laughs) Coats aren't really going to (laughs) make sense to our buyers or the color palette or the prints. So I think that's really important to take note of hemispheres and the territories that you're designing for. Um, And I think the consistency is really making sure, you know, if your strategy is, you know, let's just say a 40 to 50, um, you know, RRP price point, make sure that that is consistent over each season Yeah. and season to season. You know, if you start to see kind of in a large increase or a difference between that, you know, you're creating less consistency. And I think just remembering the roots of the brand um, and the integrity and staying true to that, you know, we want to show our buyers that consistency exists. It's the most important. Yeah. Um, RRP. What I, I don't even know that one. Um, just it's the retail price point. So like you have a suggested retail price point, right? Um, Often like your MSRP, and then you also have your exactly. Okay, and then the RRP is the retail price. So it's just yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right, I didn't know that one. So it really is just it's just like an abbreviation for you know retail pricing. Okay. So okay. it's the price that like the manufacturer you know or the designer. Um, is what we recommend to the account or like 
for retailer. The retail. Okay, gotcha. Um, so just another uh, word. Yeah, just another acronym in this in this industry that we work in. I have a whole book out there on acronyms for the fashion industry. We have we have quite a few of them. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very it's similar to it's just MSRP. Okay, gotcha. Another one. <laughs> okay, manufacturer suggested retail price. Okay. Um, are you seeing brands, I mean, obviously there's seasonality in terms of like a coat in the winter and a bathing suit in the summer, but like, are you seeing brands, because this is something I've heard a lot and, and I, I I see as a little bit of a trend, is instead of like, I'm going to release two seasons a year, my fall winter collection, my spring summer collection, you know, this direction of brands releasing more item driven stuff, um, like on a monthly basis, instead of these massive collections where they come out and it's like, wow, it's really hot and fresh, 12 new pieces. And then, you know, two weeks later, it's stale there. I've, I've seen brands taking the route of introducing maybe, you know, a new piece every two weeks or every week, or, you know, obviously depending on what scale you're at in your business, but are you guys seeing anything like that? So some of our brands work on a monthly delivery. So how that works is literally every three and a half to four weeks, we have a new collection that arrives. Mm. Um, so that's our way of making sure that we're creating freshness, you know, within the space and kind of the demand essentially too, right? We're training yeah. our buyers to buy that way. You know, they're coming in and they're coming to us every so often, every week, essentially every month to purchase a new collection. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I agree. I think there's been an interesting, I, I feel like some brands, yes, are trying it to kind of deliver to the trend, right? So we're, let's just say we're seeing, you know, high-waisted jumpsuits um, trending right now. Like right. let's design really quickly and deliver that so we can get it pre-booked. I mean, yeah, that exists, but, um, you know, some of our brands are more trend-focused, but they're, we get product. It is truly by a collection with the exception of a few that deliver to us monthly. Gotcha. I think it's interesting. I think it goes back to kind of that chasing the trend, you know, um, and delivering quicker and um, getting it out to the consumer faster yeah. um, is challenging. And it's all about marketing and what's happening in this world and kind of the convenience and all these digital platforms that there's ex um, that you can access. Yeah. Um, so easily to kind of see what that trend is and get it, let's just say, uh, you know, your Zaros of the world. Right. And it's so hard because I, I mean, I have always been on the back side of things, working with brands to help them with everything from design to development. And we've always done production overseas. And I mean, the delivery timelines are, they're long. They're very long. Um, even if you're, you're producing locally, they, they cannot always be as quick as you might want. So, I mean, that is just such a tough, fine line for, I think, a independent brand to really dial in their production and be able to deliver quickly enough um, to latch onto those trends. And then there's always, of course, the balance of like, mm -hmm. well, how much are you trend driven versus like maybe it has some accents and some pieces of flair that lean towards trend, but the overall it still has some timelessness to it or something like that. Um, and that's always a balance too, depending on the designer. Right. And I think again, like you, like you just mentioned, you know, it goes back to the capabilities of what the brand can do. Yeah. Can you deliver that quickly? You know, right. some of our brands have great turnaround and great production um, schedules and others, you know, are still figuring that out yeah. and maybe that's just not their strategy either. So, you know um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting, but I do feel like, you know, a lot of our brands are designing for, you know, a few seasons ahead and our designers are in the know and aware and hopeful that, you know, what they're designing is, you know, what is going to be intriguing. And I also feel like, you know, we work really um, a lot in in-season business. So, you know, a lot of our brands will take an inventory standpoint to be able to deliver and react as needed as well. Gotcha. You know, if something is performing wonderfully, you know, um, with a retailer, you know, do we have stock um, to be able to potentially deliver. Yeah, yeah. On um, that style, or can right. we recut? Right, right, right. Um, and going back to what you said just a minute ago, I think, like you said, some of the designers that are, are really driving these brands, you know, at some point, it's up to them to create the trends, not to follow them, you know? Um, so of they course. push that. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. You go ahead. Mm -hmm. 
I was just going to say, you know, and that's, that's kind of what we look for. You know, we can speak to our brands and mention, you know, kind of what we're seeing and what our buyers are mentioning. And I think it's really important, you know, for them to have that integrity as well. Yeah. And I love like the two way dialogue because, um, you know, I think it's really important at some point it's like, you as a designer, you you can design, you can create the trends, you can do what you want to do, but there is a customer on the other side of the equation, and whether that be the end consumer or whether that be the buyer, um, there is still a customer, and they have a lot of insight and input as well, and so I think it's so important, and it's something I've seen brands I've worked with do it very differently. Some brands, the sales team is very involved in the design process because they're the ones out there, you know, physically talking to the the buyers and getting that feedback feedback and learning where are their gaps, where are their holes that we could look to fill. Um, so I love that you guys do that and that becomes a two-way dialogue because it, especially as the way the entire world has changed with the internet, um, it's so important to, right. to really be talking with and be engaged with your customer. Again, whether that's the end okay. consumer or the buyer. Right. Of course. And, you know, and that's why, you know, Leah really felt the importance of building out a merchandising team you know, to be able to work really closely with our designers and, you know, take the feedback from our sales team and be able to deliver mm-hmm. that, you know, like, hey, these five um, styles were bangers for us. Let's make sure we see them in the next collection, you know, yeah. and update them. Yeah. Um, you know, so there is still some of, you know, that consistency between brands, but it's important, you know, um, to see what's working, what those best sellers are and, you know, potentially evolve them if needed and update them, but still, you know, create that consistency again. But yeah, yeah, it's really important. And, you know, I think it's really been helpful for us to kind of, you know, Leah's vision was to really build this merchandising team out and work really closely and, you know, offer this consultancy as needed. And I think it's really been helpful for us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's such a cool, um, cool thing you guys do. And I mean, like I said, I, I came into this conversation not knowing a ton about showrooms to be totally transparent with you. I mean, I've done my fair share of trade shows, but um, the whole showroom space right. is, is new to me. Um, so that's really cool what you guys do. And um, I'm is a huge, huge, huge asset for all the designers and the buyers out there. So um, thank you for that. I would love to end with the question I ask everybody at the of end of the interview. Um, and that is, what is one thing people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would? I don't know. You know, the, I'll talk about the question that I get asked the most. Sure. You know, and even just like interviews is, you know, what, what do you enjoy the most about what you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll speak to that a little bit. I think, you know, as at Place Showroom, we really have built a family environment. You know, I've worked really closely with, you know, my counterpart and the team here too, and Leah herself. And, you know, I think it's created um, this ease of communication between all of us, um, which I think is also shown in the success of what we're doing. Um, And I will always mention that. I think going back to the team is something that's really important and creating that camaraderie um, and that culture in any office is really important. I, I started off in sales and moved my way up into more of a like logistics operational position um, because I truthfully nerd out and enjoy creating culture um, and kind of this energy um, within a space and within myself. Like no one really speaks, I guess, to me about, you know, your, your true feeling from day to day. You know, like everyone's like, how was your day? You're like, good. How was your day? Not so great. How was your day? Fine. Um, (laughs) You know, but truly kind of getting to the, but truly getting to the bottom of, you know, what is it about your day that, you know, you feel like you can either improve on or that you felt like you really nailed it. You know, Um, it's funny, but there's this TED talk that we recently watched as a company and it really you know, dawned on me and it talks about just writing a few things down every evening or every morning um, about the day before, right? Whatever it may be, um, positive, negative, things you want to work on. And I really feel like for me, I've been doing that ever since, which hasn't been very long. I think it's only been a month, let's just say. And I do feel like it's sparked a lit a little bit of kind of this inspiration to kind of figure out what the culture is and at 
place and how to build it out with mm. an industry where there's this new Gen X, re, like, you know, entry. And it's like, how, how do we figure out what makes sense for us as a company? Like I nerd out on that. I want to I read about article after article to see what other companies are doing and how we can potentially improve ourselves. Whereas that might not be necessarily my forte or my expertise. I just find that really interesting and empowering. Um, you know, what things can we do even from like a, like a social, like a philanthropy angle as well, you know? So yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, but I was just, you know, I think we all come in with this blanket feeling and energy and I think there's just more to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it kind of goes back to like, you know, some of these, like just having these conversations and I think it's important because it's so easy to just, Oh, how are you good? How are you bad? Like, and then you move on from there, but like, no, maybe take a minute Frustrated, to like, busy, yeah, you know. really look at like what, what happened today that was maybe really challenging or maybe really amazing. Like what's getting you out of bed in the morning and what's making you want to stay in bed in the morning. And then having conversations around that. And I don't know if I, yeah, I also think it's, you know, well, no. Yeah. And one of the questions is like, right. Let's just say, you know, Hey, you're having, how are you? Like what's going on? You're like, I'm, I'm so busy. Right. Right. We all say that. Could be one of the answers that you get. We all say that all of us. And it's like, all right, you're not busy. Let's talk about how, you know, let's just say my counterpart says that, or, you know, I'm the one that it's like, I'm slammed. I'm crazy right now. You know, I'd love to be like, okay, take a step back and let's just figure out how collectively we can all feel a little less slammed or what is it that we're doing that is making us feel this way. And I think, look, we're a sales environment. We're always going to be this way. We have high energy. We're nonstop all the time. We thrive on that. We love the pressure. We love the feeling. We love the chase. You know, we love the competitiveness. You know, all of those things are innate in a salesperson and that exists and we probably bring it up. Uh, bring it upon ourselves but you know I'm just more of like an I'd like to hear more of um how we can affect change <laughs> yeah no 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 that's great that's a great uh sort of just personally lesson. and yeah. and also yeah you know at, at the company or an office that you're at or yeah. working for yeah no that's awesome um very good wisdom. I don't even know if that answered any of it <laughs> no you know what and and sometimes that's okay but it's like inspires some really fun interesting conversations so I think that was perfect um pervy can you please share with us where everybody can find you guys online or connect with you and learn more about what you guys do yes. Of course. Yes, of course. So our website is just playshowroom.com. Okay. Um, and if you want to check out our Instagram handle, um, it's just place underscore showroom. Awesome. Um, so definitely jump on there, follow us, reach out. Um, if you have any questions, if you jump on our website, we just recently last year lost, launched a blog as well. Um, and I feel like it's been a really interesting point of conversation for us and for not only our consumer, but our buyers to really see who we are and, you know, things that interest us and who the place girl really is. Awesome. I love it. Well, I will link to all of that in the show notes and thank you so much for your time today. It was really, really insightful to hear about everything you guys do. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope so. Thank you so much, Pervy. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. I'll remind you the best way to help share this show and to help all the other brands and independent designers out there listening is to take this episode and... Put it in your favorite Facebook group that you're part of. Share it with someone out there. I guarantee you there are people out there that would love to hear what it's like to work with the showroom and would love to get the opportunity to learn the process and see if this is a good match for them to get started selling through a showroom. So if you can take 30 seconds and share this episode in a Facebook group that you're part of, that would be fantastic. I know everybody there would appreciate it, and I always appreciate it. As always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash 67. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you in the next podcast episode.